and welcome to The Chase. I am your host, Daniel Ocho. I've been told by multiple people that I talk too fast, so I am going to slow it down for the purposes of this podcast. Our guest this week on episode three is Carl Gann. He is a screenwriter and a video game writer for Ubisoft Singapore. Carl joins us all the way from the future. It was a Saturday in Singapore time, a Friday night in East Coast time when we spoke. Carl and I talk about breaking into video games, breaking into screenwriting from seemingly a world away in, in Singapore. We talk about the differences between writing for the screen and writing for video games. We talk about lots of great stuff. But before I go and we get into that, I just wanted to thank all of you who listened to last week. There were way more of you than I ever could have anticipated. Uh, thank you guys for leaving five-star reviews. It makes it a lot easier for the show to be found. Thank you for subscribing. So thanks to my family and friends for the support. And to the rest of you, your checks are in the mail. So <laughs> thanks. And here is Carl Gann. Bye. Let, let's get to it a little bit. Uh, so how did you get your start uh, kind of just in writing in general, screenwriting? So um, from when I was a little kid, uh, I, I think, you know, when some people have that sort of um, natural inclination to a certain discipline or a certain, uh, uh, you know, hobby or skill. So when I was um, like age seven, um, so because I, I had family like, all over the world, like I have cousins now living in Texas, and I'm a very country because I, I those cousins from Texas are like my closest cousins. Yeah, yeah. I love them, and I spent a lot of time with them. And I was in Texas for a while, and like I just love like you know hang out with them. Um, but they like to read a lot. Yeah. So when they were younger, they would used to read all the time. Um, they would you know have Harry Potter books like. Each year, they would give me a hair because you know back then J.K. Rowling was like really into that one book a year thing yeah, until yeah. she, I mean, The Order of the Phoenix took quite a while, but before yeah. that it was like one book a year, right? Like, then she started uh, writing like seven hundred page books and was like, I'm yeah, not doing, then, I can't do this yeah. anymore. Yeah, she can't, she can't, she can't do that a year, or once a year, you know. It's, yeah. Previously, she was very Stephen King and like she had you know a set schedule, you know, uh, Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets. Uh, Prison of Azkaban and and Goblet of Fire, they all came out like every year, like yeah. clockwork, right? So my my cousins would give them to me, and I would love to impress them. I would read the books, and I'm like, wow, this is a really great story. Because Harry Potter, come on, like who doesn't love Harry Potter? It's classic. Right? It's classical. It's now. classic. Yeah. yeah. And she follows a lot of the you know myths and a lot of the stuff that she learned as a, as a student. But that's a side uh, thing. So I, I I became obsessed with like you know writing to impress my cousins. Um, okay. And and my classmates as well later on. So I began to write, um, you know, in in like, uh, eight, um, you know, uh, legal pads, like on the yeah, legal, yeah. I, just, I would tear them out, okay, and then I would just write stories. Oh no, actually, I fold them first, and okay. then I little to make like, your own little books. Little, yeah, exactly. I would staple okay. the sides. Um, yeah, because yeah. like, you know, I would just like, because um, I didn't have an industrial stapler or anything, so yeah, I would just I would just staple staple it like um, uh, laterally. Instead yeah. of, you know, when the staples come in, it's just like, you know, vertically. Yeah, yeah. So then I would like write like random stories about UFOs and, and ghosts and like, um, <laughs> okay. you know, back then as a kid, you know, there's not much you can, not, there's not much of a well of experience to draw from, right? Yeah, so I would just yeah. write like, uh, uh, you know. You, you kind of draw upon what you're reading, what you're watching, yeah. all, all that stuff. Yeah. Just Harry Potter and like Goosebumps and like Animorphs. It's an yeah, old yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the classics, all the classics. All the, the 90s classics. Animorphs and like uh, goosebumps, um, and I'll be just like, okay, this is my inspiration. I mean, it's like it's it's a form of like when you're starting out, you mimic the writers you like most, right? So yeah, I yeah, I like you steal, uh, you steal uh, directly, and then, and then eventually you just you, you get better at stealing. Exactly, but you know, uh, even then, you know, R.L. Stein has his own technique for for creating those those uh, books, and I just made them really. It wasn't it wasn't good. They weren't good at all. But then <laughs> they never you know. Are. They never are. They never are, right? It's like a seven-year-old, eight-year-old pro- art project, right? And I'll draw like on the cover, and I'll just give that out to my friends. And my, to their credit, my friends didn't actually throw the the books away. They were like, oh, they read it, and they were like, hey, this so, is interesting. So how old, are, how old are you now when you're when you start sharing it with your friends? Um, I was, I mean, to be honest, I had no shame. So when I <laughs> that's good, especially if you want to be I a writer. Mean, you know what? I'll tell you a story later, and it's the same thing that's still uh you know in me today that i have no shame so i just finished i finish a book and i'll give it out i'll finish a book and i'll give it out 
And uh, you can you can roughly tell which are the better books. So the better books go to my best friends, and yeah. the worst books go to my well. I mean, they would still go to my friends, to yeah. my classmates. But you know, just the, the ones I didn't like the most. I mean, you got to get your work out as yeah. many people as possible, right? <laughs> Things that never changed growing up. Twenty years later, twenty twenty years later. But that, um, I mean, that's that's pretty yeah. like exceptional in terms of you kind of realizing early on the importance yeah. of getting your work out and, and sort of being feeling free from the criticism yeah. of the people around you. Yeah, yeah. I think writers uh, generally are a certain type. Um, I don't know if you can correct me if you want, <laughs> Daniel. Uh, I mean, we are very, um, like, we like eyes on, we like, okay, attention is, is the word, oh, I mean, you, you do like attention, but it's not like... Validation. The, I, I think validation. Validation, yeah. validation is that, a good yes. way to put it. Yeah. Yes, Cause, that's cause, a good word. Yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, I, I know that so much of writing is on yourself. You're you're kind of locked away, toiling away at a desk uh, with no yeah. external validation. So when when you finish it and you put it out in the world, there is a, a brief moment where you're just like, oh man, I hope this doesn't suck, and and you just yeah. want you yeah. want that that external validation. And you're like, yeah. this work wasn't for naught, basically. Yeah, exactly. And and if you're gonna send it to one person, well, that's not the validation you want, uh, you know, because one person might say it sucks or he says it's good, but then is, is it just one person's opinion? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So you want to send it out to as many people as possible. And if 10 people say it's great, then you're like, okay, 10 people say it's great. If yeah. one people's, one person says it's like, it's great. And then nine people say it sucks. Then you're like, okay, we have a problem. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the part of why, you know, screenwriting is, is tough in a way, you know, when you grow up and you realize that it's subjective, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's not a, it's not like you know a, a, a medical cure where okay it works. So I, like, I think uh, I think what you're talking about is kind of, is kind of a tough lesson though, and, and I'm sure we'll kind of talk about it as yeah. we move through this. But what when when did you realize that not all criticism and feedback was created equally? Where there there's some feedback where you're just like this isn't this this isn't really useful to me. You were like the story doesn't work. Um, I think. That was that came a lot later on, actually, because uh, early on in your life, in uh, in my life, uh, the people you surround. I mean, I was lucky. The people around me, they were very supportive and encouraging. So you wouldn't hear things like, uh, you know, oh, this is so horrible, shitty ass. Am I allowed? To, I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. No, you can you can curse whatever, whatever you want to do. Yeah. It's like this is fucking disgusting. I don't ever ever read a shit from you ever again. Which is what the managers and the agents will tell you. <laughs> When you start down the line, down the line, (laughs) down the line, yeah. But at age sixteen, at age uh, you know, uh, twenty, even twenty, right? You're like, you know, you're in college. The professors are gonna be like, here is how you can improve. I mean, if they're not, if they're not dick professors, right? They're like, you know, here's some constructive criticism. You're paying for my mortgage (laughs) and you're paying for my uh, meals right now. So you're paying them not to be an asshole to you when you show them the script, basically. (laughs) Yeah, but when you're out there in the real world, they don't tell you. They don't. Talk to you so nicely. So that was when I started to learn. When I started like getting my stuff out to a wider um, community, you know, there, there were people. I, I mean, we'll talk about that as well, probably. Yeah. probably. So, so were you formally taught, or uh, like in screenwriting, or did you kind of teach yourself? Okay. So I have Asian parents, right? So I'm a, I'm Asian. Um, yeah. I have Asian parents. Okay. And they didn't see writing or screenwriting as a viable career in any. I mean, like first of all, it even in Hollywood, right? You get one script out. You get one screenplay out. Um, and you let's say you get nominated for the Academy Award for Best uh, Original Screenplay. Yeah, your career is probably peaked. I mean, yeah. to be <laughs> to be really, really no, you you're hundred percent right. You're hundred percent yeah. right. and it's only a small handful of writers from that pool, like Diablo Cody. Um, you know the the, the great ones, uh, Charlie Kaufman. Uh, you know, uh, you know all 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 the writers who have um, uh. uh Turned their career, uh, Scott Newsetter, for example, yeah. uh, who have turned their careers into something that has lasted and you know repeat can, can be repeated in like different uh, down the road different movies. Yeah. But most often, you know, you have that one good movie in you, and then that's it. In some so, ways, in some ways, know, the second part, the the second script, the second story that hits is harder than the first for a lot yes, of those guys, and you you see it over and over again. Yeah. So then my parents were like, no, you don't do screenwriting. Just go into <laughs> something that you can make money. I mean, like, or, or like, you know, not starve to death. Yeah. And I, I said, okay, I'm going to go do, I'm going to go to business school. Mm-hmm. So I went to business school instead because I always say this, 
entertainment is what show business, right? Yes, so yes. I thought, okay, even if I don't turn out to be a screenwriter, I can be an agent, I can be an executive producer, I can be a producer of like this is what Sherry Lansing did, right? Sherry yeah. Lansing, you know, um, she she's I think Paramount um, mm-hmm. uh, Pictures CEO yeah. back in the day. She wanted to be an actor actually, okay. um, but then she had the degree to fall back on, and she realized that acting wasn't gonna work out. She was able to pivot okay. into a successful film career uh, as an executive. Yeah. So that's sort of the thing that I was thinking of when I went to business school. And uh, my parents were like, okay, you go, go, go to business school, right? Because I was never going to be a lawyer or a doctor. And, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stereotype, but it's true that, you know, they really do, you know, think you should be a doctor or a, a lawyer. <laughs> I mean, and I'm like, you know, I'll go to business school. I think it works too. To, and they're like, okay, sure, you can get an MBA or something. And uh, I went there and then I continued to write screenplays because I was just so unsatisfied with like accounting classes. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like just not going to work out for me. So I was just like writing screenplays and, and um, all along in the side, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, Daniel, because you know, he's, you're in law you're school. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, t- I'm totally so with you. you. In law school. Yeah. In fact, you're living my parents' dream. My parents, they want to adopt you right now. Like, right? <laughs> <laughs> tell them, hey, I'm a law student uh, and they'll just adopt you. Like, you know, so. <laughs> I think the weather's a little doing... bit better by you than it is by me right now. So, so don't yeah, tell me what a good time. Yeah. It's like Miami all year round. So, um, it, so they were like, okay, you just do a business school, and I and I went uh, and I studied um, my four years. But along the way, I was writing uh, screenplays, and I there was a course because um, Singapore doesn't get a lot of celebrities coming by. Like we're not a we're not a um, a hub, yeah. Like LA or New York is right. Like mm-hmm. even in Asia, if you want to do because uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, stuff coming to Asia nowadays. Yeah. Uh, you know, go to China. They go to uh, Beijing or they go to um, Shanghai. Yeah. Taiwan. They don't go to Singapore. Singapore yeah. is a production hub. It's, it's a little like Georgia, a little bit because you know Georgia in the U.S. because yeah. it's it's a uh, low tax rate and it's uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, talent here in terms of training. They've trained. They've been trained. But uh, it's not necessarily a place where a lot of the creative uh, uh, people, you know, would grow or flourish. Yeah. So, um, which is why Crazy Rich Asians did really well <laughs> in Singapore. Because we were like, what is this? These are all Singapore people. It did, it did like, very well what? everywhere. It did very well yeah, everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, so then that's, it, it is kind of true though. It's literally, I mean, I, I know people like that. Okay, anyway, side, that was a side point, but uh, Crazy Rich Asians is not that far from reality. Um, so the thing is that I... I and go to a course where uh, um, uh, this this university was organizing uh, with the Singapore government's assistance um, that was about that was going to fly in an Emmy-nominated writer and uh, a lot of Hollywood producers for a a class followed by a pitch that the and, and only three people would have their shows um, made. And then later on, uh, pitched to like uh, you know Netflix executives and oh, like wow. uh, uh, local regional executives. Oh wow! So I thought this was a great opportunity, and uh, they said only eight people would enter the class. Mm-hmm. From which eight? From that eight, three people would be chosen okay. to um, become a a uh, to to pitch to the to the producers and the and the and the and you know the stakeholders. So I thought, okay, well, I'm just gonna give it a shot because. After I graduate, after I graduate, I I have no idea what I'm gonna do. At that point, I had a job uh, that was I had a job lined up. So you okay. know that was in the marketing and I was in a magazine. I was gonna be a, a, a magazine writer, like a feature, but writer? in the marketing department. Sorry, like a feature writer for a magazine. No, I'm um, a marketing. So I'm oh, still okay, like okay. the like this is the magazine's you know part a party that they're gonna have. You know that kind of like you know it's it's very Devil Wears Prada, but the unglamorous side of it. Okay. So I. <laughs> I did that. I, I, I was going to do that, but then I was like, this is my one shot. I have nothing to lose. So I wrote, um, I sent in an original pilot um, that was, uh, you know, really about being lost in the, know, like being, you know, motivation, not motivation, like motivationless in the okay. 20s. Yeah, I know. Which, you know how it feels like. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I think that's a common yeah. theme among a lot of original screenplays for people like around our age. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you know, it's not a good idea. I would say later on because it's just what you know, but it's not necessarily what I mean. People like things that imbue what you know into a world that is foreign. 
So yeah. I wrote something that was really very relatable if you were 20-something. It's like girls meets Grey's Anatomy okay. sort of thing. And that's my comps. I would do girls meets Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and, and I sent it in and then the, I, I actually managed to get through to an interview. And I, I was facing like this uh, panel of like the university faculty uh, the the writer herself from LA, she wrote a bunch of um, uh, shows on on. Uh, it was mostly the Star Trek uh, period. She uh, she wrote for Star Trek, um, Hercules. Oh, okay. Do you remember? Those yeah, shows? yeah, yeah. I love all that show. It was always on. Yeah, exactly. So I thought well, this is fantastic. So yeah. she was there, and then there were a bunch of uh, uh, um, there was there were producers from UCLA as well. They, oh, wow. they I mean, they, they just went out. They just you know they didn't hold back at all. So. Everybody was like, okay, this is a great script, but you know, you're it's very it's obvious that you know this world, but we're wondering if you have the ability to, to, to translate that into like different kinds of scripts. Yeah, so they, they it was a very rigorous uh, a test, and I got through anyway. So oh, it's a long awesome. story, but they gave a test about like you know, how, how, how um, tell me a story in, 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 in like what is what is the story? So a story has to have a beginning, middle, and an end, right? Yeah. And immediately that weeded out like a lot of people who who could write, but they didn't know that a story had to have a beginning, middle, and end. So, <laughs> That's, so it's so insane. Like you, you think about it, you you would think everyone kind of understands that, but I think that for most people, most people don't even think about necessarily how a story is structured. They they kind of they're they're basically yeah. kind of just enjoying. They see it as entertainment. They're not necessarily thinking about it yeah. as in like in the way of like a craftsman kind of where if I'm building a table, yeah. it needs it needs legs it needs these certain that's elements. right so that yes, it, it's funny right. that you say that kind of like separated you from a lot of these people yeah but i you know when i got into the class i was the youngest one there i oh, got into the class incredible. when i was 20 26 i think it was just, just like two years ago um so i'm i'm not that uh you know you know established in my field as if not you yeah. wouldn't be interviewing me but yeah. <laughs> I, I just i got it two years ago and i was the youngest there and everyone else had like you know one of them had published a book one of them had uh, produced a, a, a gay uh, web series that's now that won a few awards in San Francisco and oh, across wow. the world. Uh, I can you know I can just plug her show later um, <laughs> for you for her. And you know a lot of them had like all these credits under their belt, and I was like I had nothing. They, when, they, when we did the introduction like round right, it was eight yeah. of us, and they were like, uh, so what have you done? I was like, well, I just graduated uh, college and I'm a <laughs> magazine writer. Oh wow! And everyone was like. Okay, so you could tell at the start, like, I didn't have, like, a lot of the respect, I think, because of the fact that I was young. So, like, the, the young thing would always come up, like, oh, you're so young, you know, you're a baby, you'll get there, you know, that kind of thing. And I'd ask questions, like, for example, I would ask things like, um, oh, uh, uh, why, why shouldn't you, you, um, why shouldn't you describe, why shouldn't you direct on the page, for example? I'd ask, like, oh, I want, I want to see this, I want to see this on the page. And then... You know, they would just look at me and like, well, are you the director? You're not a director and, 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 and you want to piss people off so you wouldn't have a career? So they would just like, I mean, they would guide are, me are along you, Are you talking well. about your, your fellow writers or the people? Yeah, my fellow there? writers, yeah. My fellow writers on the panel would just tell me the answer, the, the, in the class, would just tell me the answers to the questions that I was asking that to them were very basic. Because yeah. they were like, you know, it's obvious you don't want to piss off a director. Your director will, anyway, what, will what was on the script will change eventually when you go to shoot uh, you know, in terms of location, in terms of like, you know, blocking, you know, what you write on the script isn't necessarily going to stick, but you know, it's going to piss off the director if he can't use what's on your script to block. So if I... you're going to tell him shots, he can't block in real time with your shots, with your shots, but he's going to be able to block if you give action lines. So that's the whole reason behind that. And I didn't know that there was a reason. So, you know, on the sub, on on subreddit of screenwriting, for example, everyone says, oh, you shouldn't direct on the page because the director will get pissed off and everything. But there's actually a reason because if you're giving shots, shots are not blockable. Yeah. So if you're going to instruct actors to come in, stand here, it has to be on the page. Instead of saying, okay, let's say, for example, um, close-up of uh, uh, um, John's legs. Yeah. It's not going to help. But if you say John crosses his legs and uncrosses his legs, okay, I know I can close up on that if I want to make it really obvious, directorial choice, or I can just leave it there and make it be subtle, but like reveal a lot about the character's insight. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I think this is like, this is one of the ultimate uh, just writer arguments or screenwriter arguments, this terms of, of uh, directing on the page. And, and even recently, a lot of like prominent screenwriters yeah. were arguing about this on Twitter and it was it was a whole thing. And for me, I mean, I I don't really direct on the page uh, anymore. I think it's something that 
anyone who writes screenplays kind of starts out doing it. it it's just like a, yeah. it's sort of a bad habit. But I, I've sort of reached the point where like if I want to call out a shot, like if I'm like close on this, I just don't give a shit <laughs> because I, yeah. I, I just think that no, at the end of the day, true. when when you're trying to get it past gatekeepers, there are definitely people who are like this guy's directing on the page. How dare he lock him up? But yes. at the same time, like if, if your script is good, like it, it doesn't really matter. You're, you're just trying to get yes, people to correct. notice it and to yeah. give enough of a shit about it that when they go home, they're like, wow, that, that was one not terrible script that I read today. I should tell exactly. my boss about that. So there are exceptions. So basically when you write a script and you put like, let's say one close on something, right? And it actually helps the, the feel of the script. Yeah. By all means, leave it in. It's not a rule. Yeah. But there's a reason, I'm just saying that there's a reason behind why it's done. But Definitely. people don't understand the reason. I didn't understand the reason when I was new. But I mean, if you want to put a close in, by all means do it because it helps the story. Definitely. You know, but, but if it doesn't help the story, everything in the script should help the story, right? And then yeah. I was like, so and I tell you, when I read my script from 2016, right, the one that I, the pilot that I sent in, I, I cringed because it's so bad. It's really bad. <laughs> Bad. But that, I would say. So was, like, was that like the first really like official kind of script you you had put together? That was the official kind of script that I actually got eyes on. Okay. So funny funny story was that um I I actually wrote a script when I was like twenty right and then I sent it to a a, a, a screenplay competition I think. Okay, actually I think I'm gonna be honest here. I sent it to the Nichols um, okay. <laughs> at, at twenty without ever having. Red you didn't know any better. Or, you didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. I was like, oh, when you search screenplay competition, and that's yeah. the first thing that comes out, right? And I was like, oh wow, this is right up my alley. It's got the Oscar. <laughs> so let, let me just right let me just clarify a little bit for oh, right. other people listening. Like the Nichols right. screenplay competition is basically like the I don't even really know how to describe it. It's run by the Academy that does the Academy Awards. It yeah. is like the creme de la creme of screenplay competitions. Uh, most of the scripts that win are like biopics that people have spent like years perfecting, <laughs> and they. <laughs> and are, I, <laughs> and, and they're very like I mean most of the scripts like some of them are good but I mean it, it's really like a very prestigious competition probably the most prestigious uh, feature screenplay competition so to, to send in kind of like your your first script it, it's a ballsy move it is it's a ballsy it, move it, it's if you if you knew any better you wouldn't have done it so I, I think there's like you can guess how that went you can guess how you can guess how that you can you, can, you know you can get you can you can think you can guess how that went and um I, it was horrible like. Back then, I think they still gave comments on the screenplays. I remember very clearly the comment that came back was, uh, the writer has a lot of work. This is the first draft. Um, the characters are not fleshed out. It was, it was vicious, I tell you. And I think that kind of put me off screenwriting a little bit like for the next two years because I, I was a little stung by that because like all this while, right, you've been told by professors and classmates, you know, you have a talent. Your parents say, okay, you can write. Yeah. And your, your friends, you know, they, they, but you never know if that's really what what you can do, or is it just uh, you know them propping you up? So I thought, okay, I was propped up for the, a good chunk of my life, and the first competition that I entered for external validation came back with a flaming pile of shit. Like it was, it came back with like a, they just threw the shit back and they set it on fire. So it was like I was like, okay, this is not good. So so when I, um, you know, it was the first screenplay that. Actually, people said the the one that submitted for the uh, I mean sorry the one that submitted for the for the class um, to get into the Emmy nominated writers class the, that was the first screenplay that people said from external sources they said okay it's actually pretty good but we're wondering if you have the skills to take it across different uh, genres to make a career out of yourself out of this for yourself yeah and I was like okay so this is good wow yeah. and that made me get back on the train on the track so to speak. Um, did you uh, have on, on, did you have another writing sample to to kind of show them? I did actually. I wrote a Gilmore Girls spec. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna judge. I wrote no, a Gilmore. No, Girls I'm, I'm not judging. People love Gilmore yeah. Girls. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. it's on CW a lot. <laughs> it was on the WB yeah. Network a lot. I, I'm a very CWWB person. You know, I, <laughs> I I think that's like my thing. But um, so I I, I had a couple of samples. Um, Gilmore Girls was one. The the, the pilot was one. And the the third one was um, was like the short short film about a uh, you know um, it's a it's a horror short film okay. about uh, parents and children. It was like it was like a much less twisted version of Hereditary. If you watch Hereditary, <laughs> yes, it's a much yes. less yeah. you know woo woo version of Hereditary. <laughs> so um, and then you know it, it it all went well. And then I, I I that was my education to screenwriting. My my fellow classmates were 
every day just holding my hand. And to their credit, I mean, I would be if I were in that class, I would be pissed off at myself because I was asking questions that weren't particularly, um, you know, insightful. I was like asking things like, "Oh, uh, how many pages should this be?" <laughs> I did not know it was one minute a page. I didn't know that it was one minute a page at so age it, it twenty. Sa- it sounds to me like you you kind of got there got there too too early a little bit and and I'm always so interested with with people who kind of get places where they're not necessarily ready to be and and how they kind of react to that so so like you you didn't flounder you you kind of you kind of tried to float so how how did you kind of handle that so first of all I'm very glad that this is Singapore and not Hollywood because if I went to Hollywood with this sort of amateur mindset I would never ever work there ever again I would come back out and I'll be I'll be chewed up and spit out like I would be done because that this I don't, that was that showed a complete lack of preparation, uh, a complete lack of uh, you know true research on my part. I mean, to be honest, like I I read a lot of this, like I, I knew like you know dolly shots were, but screen what what a lot of people um, promote and what gets seen a lot is um, directing. Directors are more famous in a way than screenwriters, like. Yeah. So the, the, the amount of information out there on directing is a lot more than the amount of information on screenwriting. Unless you were specifically looking for screenwriting material, yeah. the amount of directing resources the amount of directing resources are, are way bigger than screenwriting uh, you know resources that you can find. So I I, I I I was just and I was focused on writing so much and reading that I didn't necessarily think to internalize, okay, you know what, watch the movie, read the script. I did that, but I was like, oh, wow, nice shots. But I didn't really internalize, like, okay, this is a one minute a page. How does it translate on the, on the screen? There was none of that. Yeah. But after I had the class, I was like, okay, now my whole brain just shifted. And I realized that if I was not in Singapore, where and these were not people that were holding my hands, yeah. and, the, and the writer that was teaching, the Emmy-nominated writer and the Hollywood producer, they, okay, so in a way, I kind of used the youngest uh, person thing to my advantage. I was like, oh, I'm just a baby, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you have to play what you get. So yeah. let's say, for example, even if you're in Hollywood, I guess if you're in, um, if you just go into a writer's room and you're just fresh out of college and you're baby eyed and baby face and and doe eyed, right? Yeah. And then you know people are like, you know, oh, you're so young. Use that. All yeah. I can say is use that to your advantage because you're not gonna stay young. Of course, unless you're fucking Benjamin Button <laughs> for the rest of your life, and you're gonna have a certain amount of time that people are gonna be like, "Oh, you're so young. Let me let me guide you along." There's two ways you can come out of this. You can either piss people off because you're so young and annoying, which there are some people like that, right? They're like, "Oh, you know, I'm so I'm so young, but I I think I'm the shit," and then people are not gonna work with you anymore, and you just burned yourself out yeah. of Hollywood. But if you're young and you're like, "Oh man, oh shucks, I'm so young, I need help and guidance," I tell you right now. That is a way to do things that people people always look for people to mentor, right? So you're yeah. like you're gonna get a mentor like that, and so I think that that's what I did in my class um, for them not to get pissed off at me because at some point some of them were pissed off at me because I was just asking so many questions that they all already knew, so it wasn't yeah. so like evil even ground, and that was how you know I used it to my advantage. I think that is how I later on then learned the things I needed to know. Because I broke in so early. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I feel like that—that's kind of the reason why I wanted to do this show. Was I feel like that youth is is a real commodity um, for for a lot of people, and that and yeah. there are all these people kind of chasing these abstract, uh, difficult to break in kind of fields, and and that youth is they they kind of have to use it to their advantage because once you, yeah. once you hit thirty and the, like external pressures are kind of like bearing down on you, you we often have to face a sort of difficult choice to whether or right. not to pursue these difficult endeavors or to to move on to more conventional uh, careers. Um, exactly. But, but before we move on, to, I, I kind of want to get into your uh, video game writing, how you ended up with Ubisoft. And, uh, right. But before we move on, I have a question on. So after Nichols, you get this bad uh, feedback. They say, "Burn your script uh, and close yes. your eyes and never open a laptop yeah. again." But so so now they, they say all these terrible things to you. What made you think uh, intrinsically that like you were good enough to do it again, to to try it again? Was it just that you're you're in school for business and it's just eating away at you, and, and that you just have this story idea in the back of your head, or so? Um... So that was in the first year of college that I sent uh, that script, that the thinning pile of shit in, right? <laughs> uh, might as well just mail them the shit. Yeah. Um, but but I 
in college, I took an internship with WME, the WME uh, IMG Singapore. You know WME IMG. Yeah, the, never. Yeah. 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 Uh, the company in in Singapore, the, their their office in Singapore, and I started out in the newsroom, like an assistant, like an intern, right? <laughs> okay. Um and and um, like every every day, Ari Emanuel would send us all an email, mm-hmm. like a global email, <laughs> and then he'd be like, so I can say that like so basically Ari Emanuel, uh, you know, uh. Give me the pep talk via email. I'm delusional. <laughs> but basically, one of his emails said like something like, "Everyone is gonna say no, but you just need that one person to say yes," which was basically the Lady Gaga before his before, before, before her time. You know, there are nine people in the room, but there's only one person to cons- you need the one person to say yes. That sort of thing, right? But it wasn't an email, and Ari Emanuel had sent it out. Ari, Ari Emanuel had sent it out, and like I, I just read it, and I was like, "This is." Inspiring, and I would say, you know, I, I was like really, really, um, you know, you know, just like I felt so ready and motivated to get back to screenwriting yeah. after that period of time, because like it, I just saw like how it was done and and how the entertainment industry works at a bigger level, and I was like, yeah. I have to, I have, I, I can't not do this, you know, I cannot be the writer yeah. and, and and be in this industry, um, so. I went back into screenwriting, and, and that was uh, 2015. I started writing again, and then 2016 was when I got the uh, the class. So you better hope that Ari Emanuel doesn't hear this podcast because oh. now he's going to want all royalty checks <laughs> for all eternity from everything uh, you write. Yeah. And, and for those for those people who don't know, which is probably oh, yeah. most people, Ari Emanuel is uh, he's the head of WME, or uh, yeah. he's one of the the main agents of WME. He he's like loosely uh, Ari Gold from uh, yeah. <laughs> from Entourage is loosely based on him, I believe. Um, but, but yes, yeah, so, so that, that's incredible. That, that whole story. So Ari Emanuel inspired you to get back. We never, writing, so. we never met. So I didn't know. Yes, no, through email, <laughs> through email, it wasn't he, he inspired email. you to get yeah. back into screenwriting. It wasn't even a personal email. It was like this email blast that his assistant probably sent out <laughs> with the quote that he probably took from some, you know, book somewhere. He, he, he goes on good quotes every morning yeah. and just sends something out. You're like, wow, yeah. profound. profound. I, that's me. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so now how do you go from WME to video games? Like how, how, does, how does that transition – how do you make that transition? Right. So, um, so after the class, uh, during the class of the course, I actually – so I actually wrote a couple of TV shows uh, that are actually being produced right now uh, in Singapore. So um, – Oh. You have shows in production, right? Yeah, now? in Singapore. So, uh, oh wow, that's yeah. incredible. So, so it's not, it's not like. So, here's the thing about um, um, about me personally is that I don't like to rest. So, I feel like if I'm doing nothing, I feel like I'm wasting time. I know, I know, it's horrible, and you get anxiety <laughs> from it. <laughs> but no, well, I think, I think that's something that uh, is going to be a recurring theme among the people that I talk to on this podcast because there's a reason why people who are chasing these difficult things don't turn back at the early failure. They're, they kind of feel at, at peace when they're kind of doing these things and working their asses yeah. off to, to do whatever it is yeah. they're trying to get to. I feel happiest when I'm doing more things. Like, if I'm doing fewer things, I feel like, what the fuck is going on, man? Like, seriously. <laughs> so, like, um, so, after, so I didn't get the pitch for, for, the, for the show, for the um, course, right? I didn't get to yeah. put together my package with a producer. I didn't get none of that. So I was like, oh, man. So I left that. So basically, so it's just a class. If you don't get the pitch, you basically have no job, right? It's just a class yeah. uh, I, I, I paid for by the Singapore government. So even if I, if I didn't get it, I had no job. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go back to marketing writing or what? What do I do from here? Because they don't tell you how to make a career after that class. It was more like a, how do I package? How do I pitch? How do I? It was a writing class, right? Um, yeah. uh, so I was like, okay, shit. So I'm, 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 I'm back to square one. But it um, just so happens that uh, during one of, one of the producers knew uh, a, a writer at Ubisoft. So um, okay. for those who don't know, Ubisoft is the company that does Assassin's Creed. Um, uh, um, rabbits, the the little rabbit uh, uh, cr- uh, creature, a cartoon, and and the games. Uh, you know, we, we published video games. Um, we just published uh, the division two. The division two, the division. Far Cry. Yeah, actually, yeah. there's a lot more games. Division two, Far Cry. Yeah, the Far Cry. Yeah, Far, Far Cry is classic. classic. Game. Um, go get it now. Uh, Far Cry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I, I spoke to the the writer from Ubisoft, and one thing I've always done is that I love video games. So from young, I, I spent a, a, an ungodly amount of time in front of my uh, computer screen, my PC, 
uh, in front of my Xbox playing video games. Um, I played Halo, the original 2004 Incredibles game. Uh, you know, there's like all the games that in 2004. With the Underminer. Uh, yeah, under, the Underminer. Yeah, exactly. So I, I played all of these games and I just love games as much as I, lo I love movies and films. So to me, this is all like an umbrella of entertainment, right? You know, you have streaming, yeah. you have Bandersnatch now. This is all, I see like a lot of things happening in this field that, that, that the younger generation is poised to just absorb and they don't even think about it. But back in my day, it was like, back in our day, it was like, like I'm some old guy back in my day. It was just like some, <laughs> you know, like, like, like the film people didn't get along with the TV people, didn't get along with the, the games people. But nowadays, they're just all like in one like, uh, like, like group, right? Like people who wrote for games, uh, for example, uh, the girl who wrote, Kira Snyder, she, she was, she's on uh, Handmaid's Tale now. She's the producer of Handmaid's Tale. And she was on The 100. Um, she was a video game yeah. writer. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and Ubisoft uh, is, has a lot of like video, uh, writer TV show divisions um, that they, they, they have writers coming in to pitch for TV shows. And um, oh. uh, um, in LA, it's all over the news. And they're doing a TV show uh, based on video games. Video game, actually, yeah. video game industry um, in 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 LA right now, uh, which is produced by the guy who did uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie Day, I think. Oh, yeah, wow. and then so you know this is all coming together in such a really unprecedented way. Um, so I I, I just thought uh, uh, you know it's it's something that that I love. If I could write for Ubisoft, I was so thrilled, and I just went in and I and I and I sent in my writing samples again and and I got the the project uh, the job it's actually a job yeah. um, and then I <laughs> as I did that before I, I also was writing on the side and I was actually sending out like scripts to um, uh, on my weekends and after work hours I would still work on the second yeah. side of my of my like writing career because you know I just felt so I mean technically I was screenwriting already in my day job so I had done something that a lot of other screenwriters would not be doing, which is writing to get paid. And I was already getting paid, but I still felt like I had to do more. You know, so I was yeah. writing scripts on the side, and then I was sending out to producers, and um, two of them bit. One is a sports drama, and one of them is a, That's very cool. it's a children's show based on <laughs> my former teacher. Uh, he did a comic series um, uh, based on like science, like science comic series, with rabbits. Now, now you're working. You're writing during the day. You're getting paid to write, which is more than like the vast majority of writers. So, so now, not only are you writing during the day, you're expending your whatever creative juices you have. Now you're going home and you are, you are writing. So, like, where where do you find the energy? Is it like do you do you? I'm assuming that because you're writing this much, you don't think that it's some muse that that you have to sit at the table and you have to wait for for the muse to come to you. Yeah, I I don't believe in the muse. I be. I, I I do believe in uh, dream states. So like you know when you fall off, you're, you're about to fall into a, into fall doze off, and you're gonna fall asleep. There's a period of time before you fall asleep, then you're like, oh shit, that's a good idea. I'm gonna write it down. Yeah. I yeah. I have wrote down a couple, but most of the time I, I I fall asleep and I don't remember it, which sucks. But uh. Yeah, oh, that's so frustrating. Yeah, but I don't believe in the muse otherwise because like it's work. It is. It. I mean. You have to. You you can't just say, "Oh, I have to sit down there and wait for a script to come." It doesn't work. That I I don't. Some people do that. I know some writers do that. So I'm not knocking on their process or anything. But I feel like I'm knocking on their process. Yeah. I think I think that's I think that's I insanity. It's it's just like a it's like a craft. It, You're not I, gonna I, that's, work. That's my whole. That is my mission in life is to convince people that writing you know, is I, a craft. I agree with you. Don't, you. you don't just like sit there and I you're agree like, with you. huh ideas come to me it just you, you got to do it if you want to do it do it even if it sucks i agree with you daniel because i i don't think of that at all i i think there is absolute rubbish but some people do it and it works for them so kudos so i cannot <laughs> step on the toes um but i i personally have not i do not subscribe to that idea because i have to i i believe in you have to work man to get the ideas off so for example i have i keep like a notes on my iphone like a note section where it's like full of yeah. tons of ideas so when i'm on the, <laughs> the, I'm on the train when i'm um when i'm uh, uh, uh at a restaurant and i see something happen around me and the funny thing is that you think that life is just so boring right but actually life is actually really i mean people who say that they sit around waiting for muse the muse to come then again it's 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 what i'm doing but i'm doing it outside i guess like when i'm eating at a restaurant i'm like 
oh wow, something's happening next to, on the table yeah. to me. I'm gonna write. You, you can't turn it off. Can't turn it off. You can't turn it off once once it's on. So that's like the music. You can't turn off the, the faucet. The music is everywhere. You know, you're not gonna sit. If you're sitting at home, yeah. in front of a screen, waiting for the music to strike, hits up, it's not gonna strike. You gotta go out there yeah. and really live a life <laughs> and have an experience of things to talk about, to write about, and see things and see people, and then you're gonna have all those ideas that come into your phone. The other day, I was on a, I was in a restaurant, and then next to me, there was this couple having a date. And it was the worst date of their of like I've, I've never seen a date <laughs> of anyone's work. life. It was hilarious. I think I would write it like it was, but it was a short. I mean, there's no story in there to be a feature or a TV show, but it would be a short yeah. or something. But it's just uh, the most awkward date I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't even describe <laughs> it because like they were just not on the same page at all. And what he was saying, she wasn't understanding. So she was just like trying to like steer the conversation away and he was trying to like <laughs> steer it to, away from her because he didn't know what she was and you were just about. watching this yeah. you were just watching this car crash i was listening to us like this is so fascinating i'm gonna use it all <laughs> yeah so that that's, that's the funny. abuse doesn't work that way i just hustle i mean i just work i just because i i think that there's so many there's so many stories in me that i want to tell that i i feel like you know it's it's just so many stories that i want to tell um I, it feels like yeah. it's almost a waste of time exactly. to 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 be sitting there and doing something like I, I fully prescribe to the theory that, like you said, you have to live your life. And uh, Brian Koppelman, I don't yeah. know, do you know Brian yeah. Koppelman? He, he's so uh, uh, shout out Long Island. He's from Long Island. Love him. Uh, uh, no, no, that's not. Uh, what, what's... He does billions. He does. Uh, he did rounders. Rounders. But he is, he he does a, he does a podcast where he just talks to people. Um, right. But he always talks about how you kind of have to people who make these creative things they kind of have to creatively like refill like if, if they're working and he, he's writing a tv show writing a tv show it's constant you are constantly doing something and like sometimes he just has to walk away he has to read a book he has to do something to kind of like just just re refill himself so he can work his best yeah i totally agree with that you have to refill yourself and you have to um you have to get get uh you know the juice back and and, and, and recharge yeah yeah so how has uh, writing for video games differed from your experience writing for television and now, now you have these two shows coming up? So like, how has that process been different for you? So for a video game, uh, the process for writing a video game is about... Um, so first of all, for TV and film, it's linear, right? You just come up with a, pop up a script and you just send up the script and the script's going to be worked on. If they need rewrites, you're going to summon you for rewrites and, 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 and everything. Um, but for a video game, you have a lot of other people because uh, in, in the process, because it's not just, you know, they're going to make it on, the, on their own and that's it, it's done. It's, just, it's off your screenwriter's hands, you get paid. You have to be in the process almost every step of the way because they're going to be designing, like, let's say, the quests, the characters, the, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the atmosphere of the world, the tone of the world. It's all things that you have to talk to with the writer. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 more of a a more uh, um, interactive process than just because you know in screen in, in TV and film you don't necessarily have to talk to the writer once you're done. You know, even the right even the director yeah. himself could make uh, edits on set or or you know like yeah you know like uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller they just like made the changes to Star Wars on set. It went off script. Yeah, you know, yeah. so you could do that. But in video games, no such thing. You have to you have to. Um, Talk to the you're writer. Kind of hopping on the train. You're hopping on the train, kind of after it's left the station. They're, yeah, they're turning it around. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, like, some people say, like, you know, um, um, you know, video game writing is is is. Uh, I saw the Reddit post the other day. There was a Reddit post saying that video game writing is uh, is is less creative. I, I, I would say it's not less creative, but it's in a different way. Like, it's a different way of yeah. creativity that you're tested. You're tested on on problem solving. I mean, problem solving is actually throughout all the screenwriting. Uh, you know. Genres. Yeah, yeah. Tested a problem. Usually, yeah. yeah. Problem solving is more the, the main part of screenwriting actually. Um, <laughs> You're making problems and, and trying to get people out exactly. of exactly <laughs> and loopholes, right? And and it, yeah. it's it's more so in video games because you're like, okay, how am I gonna fix this? How am I gonna get this guy out of this situation? There's this writer that I really adore. Uh, her name is Amy Hennig. She wrote Uncharted, and uh, okay. she wrote Uncharted. And, uh, Those games are like movies. Yeah, they're like movies exactly. And uh, and 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 uh, The Last of Us by Neil Druckmann. It's, an, it's, it's basically okay. a movie, but you can just control the character around. And that's something that I always thought was fascinating because, like, how is the process different? But at the very base of it, you need a good story, a good foundation. And then yeah. the rest of it depends on whether or not you can work with people, 
to bring that that gameplay out, or you just in film yeah. and TV, you just ship it off to someone else. And if the process comes back, if it comes back, the movie comes out and it totally looks different, you didn't have a say in it. But if yeah. the game, you had to say in it every step of the way. So, so who, who within either the screenwriting or video game writing community do you look to as kind of like a model for for how you, you you'd like to operate? Oh man, Neil Druckmann from Last of Us. It's it's, it's like <laughs> it's, it's so I have two. I have Neil Druckmann, which is uh the, the guy who wrote Last of Us. Uh, he's also doing the Last of Us movie um, as we speak. Um, I I like uh Amy Hennig as well. She wrote Uncharted and uh she's, yeah. she's a legend. Both of them have won w, multiple WGA awards. So this yeah. is something that is is just I I look to them all the time. I think that whatever the, are those? Do you, do you think those two are the the best written games you've you've played in terms of like? Do you, do you appreciate the the writing more so now that you're you're in there? Yeah. Like, are you able to play games normally anymore without being like, oh, I I understand why they made this narrative choice, but yeah. I don't know. So the first thing that that when I play a video game now is that I I look out. So it's like a, it's like a curse, right? When you're watching a movie and you're a screenwriter, and I like, oh fuck, that line was so awkward. You know that kind of thing. You kind of like, you're like okay, yeah. I see, yeah. I see where the cuts are. I see where the cut to is. I see where the 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 turning point is. You know that kind of thing. The act three break. I literally can see that in a movie. Like you know, every Marvel movie <laughs> yeah. that I go into now, because yes, it's a fun. Oh, I'm the right? same way. Yeah, I'm the same way. Every Marvel movie. I, I saw Captain Marvel this morning. Oh, I, I haven't watched it yet. I'm gonna watch it this week. I, I won't tell you what happens, but like there are certain things that happen in the movie where I'm like, oh my god, I know, I know what's gonna happen. I just know how they're setting up. They're setting this up to pay it off later. Yeah, and you don't, yeah. you don't like those movies are tight, like finely tuned machines everything is there for a reason exactly so if something is getting set up in the first act you know, it is one yeah. million percent i i can at, at the very least like 85 percent chance i can guess how like you know thor off. if you watch thor the, the the most recent thor yes the whole thing with the thing at the start was reference at the thing at the end so i was like uh, okay like you know you, you can just see it now so in video games when i'm playing the video game i can see the choices you know where the choices were made and 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 the, the thought process that came into the trust but I just I just thought that you know it, I just love the fact that now um, stories are becoming so inherent in video games. You know, previously in, yeah. in, in the old days, in the in the old days, I'm I'm going back there again. You know, you, you, you could just <laughs> you're an old man. Yeah, tonight. I know I'm an old man tonight. So um, I I'm just you could just go around shooting people or something. I mean that still happens, but it's not going to get the critics raving if there's no story behind you randomly shooting people. You know what I mean? Like you could yeah. still get like a FIFA game, like a like a soccer game or whatever. Yeah. But it's even though it may sell a ton, a shit ton of copies, but you're never going to get that sort of uh, impact for the viewer or the or the player as you would with let's say the Last of Us. Which when I played Last of Us, I was like, I cried for a video game. Can you imagine <laughs> crying for a video game? This <laughs> this has never happened. So like I cried for the video game like The Witcher. There's this game called The Witcher, which is now going to be a TV yeah, series yeah. with Henry Cavill, um, the the white haired guy with his magical powers. Um, <laughs> I cried. There are some scenes in there that I cried. So like I thought, okay, this is how games should be, like really good, solid games that that can be something great for the viewer because we have a medium that the viewer is going to interact with in real time. Like you, yeah. you don't, you, you, it's not a captive audience. You're gonna give him the, yeah. the chance to make a great story for himself. Like, why would you not use that, yeah. right? So that's what, like, yeah. I, I look at video games now. I think this is such a good opportunity, and the game that I'm playing shouldn't waste that opportunity. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like there there has been a pivot to all these these story first games for a while there. There was it, everything was a multiplayer game. Everything was a multiplayer game. There, everything wanted to be Call of Duty, and and now we're kind of seeing that there has been sort of a renaissance in these these scripted these scripted games, yeah. heavily like written, well, very well written games. And The Last of Us is like like you said, it, it is legitimately like one of the most affecting pieces of media like of the last like ten yeah. years. It is just a very and and part of that is that you for for several hours are on this journey, like interactively on this journey. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So. I kind of want to jump back to uh, your your own writing, kind of your your screenwriting. So, how what what's your process like? Are you, are you a heavy outliner, or are you just uh, are you sitting there and just just getting to work? Because there there is a, a a big divide. I feel like I feel like there are sort of more more of us aboard the outline train, but I found that uh, answers differ on this. So one. I I'm a mix of both. I I come up with an outline at the start. 
um, the outline has to have like just the rough beats, the act, the act breaks, the ideas. Uh, you know, uh, what I'm a big fan of is is uh, you have to have a one big scene. So like the you have to have the one. If if they're gonna go leave the 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 cinema and they're still gonna talk about that one scene, right? What is that one scene? Yeah. So like for example, yeah. you know, Her- Hereditary has one. Um, you know, Titan- <laughs> Titanic has one. That one scene. Yeah. Uh, okay, Titanic. Everyone's watched it, right? I can't spoil it for you. It's yeah. the Jack. Yeah, it's a little late. Jack- it's like yeah. it's like twenty five yeah. years. <laughs> the Jack, the Jack and the Rose scene is one. Yeah. And on the bulk, on the, the 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 hull of the, the 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 deck of the ship, and she's holding out her hands. That's one. The second yeah. one is actually they have two. It's the one that um, uh, Jack sinks into the ocean, right? He just he falls in like a like a like a dead piece of wood when he dies. Yeah. So they have two scenes. So how are you gonna get to those two scenes? Is my like I create two scenes along with the outline, but then when I write it, so you build you build backwardsly from you you build backwards from those two scenes. Uh no I I well yes yeah, so I put the yeah kind of so I put the, I build the outline backwards from those two scenes. So I put the okay. two scenes and they can't be in the same. Two scenes must be spread apart. So, for example, yeah. um, I mean, of course, you just, if, you have, you have a, if you have a short one scene, right? You have a yeah. short. Uh, yeah. If you have a feature, I, I, I say maybe two to three. I advocate for, I mean, I'm not a teacher or anything, but I, I, my personal, I like two <laughs> scenes. This is your TED Talk. This, this is, is that was TED terrible. Talk. It's a terrible TED Talk. I'm not very, <laughs> I, I, I have no uh, uh, guru words of wisdom in a deep, sonorous <laughs> voice and a clicker in my hand. Um, but I, I have three scenes, or two, two, two scenes actually. And I just space them out, maybe like you know, one at the middle midpoint and one maybe towards the climax, and then I work backwards from the outline. And then once I have the outline in place, then I write free free form. I just I, I don't even write what goes in it because sometimes um, what this because you know some people like to outline to the point like okay, he says this, John says this, John gets the confession out of Mary. I think yeah. that is so limiting. I think whatever you you know the point of the scene, right? So okay, yeah. So I do this thing where at the start of the scene, I write what's the purpose of the scene. So, like for example, um, uh, Act One, uh, Act One, Scene One is is, is gonna be um, uh, John ask Mary, uh, uh, you know, why is her mother uh, uh, on the lying on the floor in a pool of blood, for example. Yeah. So the point of that was to get sh- to is, is to number one purpose, bring audience into concept immediately and yeah. uh, uh, you know shock and show the relationship between Brian, what's the name, John and Mary, for example. Yeah. So straight away, <laughs> yeah. why is why is why is your mom and why is my, your mother here? And then you know I have yeah. them talking back and forth about the mother, thinking that you know she was in the room, but actually she's dead on the floor, something like that. You know, yeah. so it's just a way to quickly get across the point of your scene, and then I write the yeah. scene dialogue organically like that. But I don't I don't dictate what they have to say or what's the point of this dialogue. The dialogue comes out, but I know what the purpose of the scene is. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a, a good practice because it, it sort of helps you from from having these meandering scenes that don't necessarily move the plot forward. Yeah. I've, I've gone back and forth myself on outlining. Lately, I've been more kind of stringently outlining where I'm basically writing the whole script in the outline. And while it's allowed me to write a lot faster, yeah. Um, so I can, I can bang out a, a feature a, like a lot faster than the other way, I found that with this, this stringent outlining where I'm kind of just transposing my outline to the script, that my dialogue has suffered for whatever reason, and I think it's in part because there is a there is a value to kind of freeform at at the keyboard within the the script, kind of the the way you think about people talking. Because a lot of times when you're writing an outline, it is just the bridge to the script. So yeah. you, you want it to be done so that you can get to the actual work. But the outlines where the work it's, is. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I have to ask this now. You've been writing professionally for a while uh are you do you still enjoy it i, I love <laughs> like the process of writing. i love it so much uh i i think i found what i want to do for like my entire life like this is it just, <laughs> i'm i'm so happy because some people never find that and i have that and i think i found what i want to do for the rest of my life it's you absolute maniac i am I, crazy I, like, ass I, person I, 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 <laughs> that's crazy i mean i like so i i love writing i don't i don't know that i like writing if you know what i mean right. so i love writing but i don't know if i like writing in that like writing the process of writing is unpleasant very often oh. and it, it is not like at at the keyboard at the keyboard you don't you don't feel that i don't feel that way I, I and i'm at a keyboard i i feel energized happy when i'm banging out a scene i feel joy i feel like i feel joyous i actually feel like really happy so <laughs> 
Every wow. day I wake up. I am up very jealous of and you. And I go to work and I'm like just happy. I'm just I'm just really happy and, and I think this is I just love it. I, I don't wanna so I don't wanna seem cynical. I, I love when it's done, when when I can sit there and, and look and read back what, what like what I've done, what I've worked on, right. I love that. That that is the best feeling right. in the world to me. But the the process of being in in the scene where like something about it just isn't working, and you you haven't written enough pages today, right. and you you want it to be done like that that to me is it's just it's it's brutal. It, but to me, it feels like it feels like going to the gym, and I and I always make this comparison where. Like so, a lot of the times, waking up and going to the gym is the hardest part, and, and it's not necessarily fun to to work out or, or do whatever you do. But then that feeling, that high you get when you're leaving, and and you feel so much better, is is really where the, the whole thrill is. Right. Um. Yeah. No. For me, I, I I so I'm I'm crazy because I I am a masochist almost in a way. Like, <laughs> like when I go to the 100%, 100%. gym, when I go to the gym, I the pain and suffering. <laughs> I like I enjoy that. So that's hilarious. When I am writing it and I so there was one time writing the sports drama, right? The sports drama that I'm is currently being produced now. Um I was writing it and I there was this one scene that just didn't work whatsoever. I just kept I literally was hitting myself in the head for the scene. <laughs> and I was like, how the heck am I gonna get this scene to work? And then the more I thought of, the more pain I was in, like the more I thought out of the box. Does it make sense? Like the yeah. more I was struggling, yeah. the more I had to force my, I had to just think of different things to get to where I wanted to go. So yeah. I, I think it's like a problem solving thing. I don't know. So like, like if, I, if I'm safe and secure, everything's going smoothly. Like, oh, let's say the scene is going as planned. You know, the, the characters yeah. are doing as it is, they need to be, what needs to be done. I, I feel like I'm not happy. That scene is lacking something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, so yeah. when I read back the scene, I was like, oh, I remember this scene, I was just coasting through. There was no pain and suffering in that scene. But yeah, when, you need to throw a grenade in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So, so I have to make it, I have to blow that shit up, right? Because I know that yeah, it's not exactly. going to work. Uh, but if I'm suffering and I can't figure out a way to get to the scene, I, I just can't figure out like how the scene going to work, then the good stuff comes out. And that's what I yeah, really well, I, enjoy. I, I definitely think that there is a value in that in that sort of end of your rope thing. It's it's why a lot of these twenty two episode uh, network shows for years and years have thrived. Where like like Lost, Lost was putting out like twenty six episodes yeah. in a season, and like they are working on the tightest schedule, the tightest exactly. like, everything. And if you see and Lost, they, they produce if you see Lost incredible story, content. Lost story doesn't yeah. serve the sort of twenty six episode thing, but they made it because they had to. You know, really think crazy like polar bears. You know, smoke monster. It could just have been an island <laughs> on, on, like you know, you know, full of shit. But you know, it's literally an yeah. island with an act, with actual storyline, a plot towards the later part of the, se- of the season. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, but people people always complain about Lost in in for its ending. But I, I think they're sort of losing they're, they're losing sight of what the point is. Like, TV isn't necessarily. Uh, supposed to be a novel where yeah. we're all excited about how the payoff it's it's about the ride it's about yeah. enjoying it when it's it's about throwing something on on wednesday night and knowing you're in for an hour and enjoyment for the ride so what what do you think is the worst ending you've ever watched like your worst ending of any series or or, or show or like any movie oh the the sopranos no doubt about oh man <laughs> my my what's... i just <laughs> okay Oh. I just heard uh, uh, Bill Simmons, uh, his podcast, was talking about uh, how he rewatched the show, and he was saying oh. how he really appreciates. Uh, it was this morning. He was talking about how he, he really appreciates the ending. Now mm-hmm. that ending is dog shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's 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 brutal, and, and I understand it's very it's very uh, like artsy, and I, and I understand in in the finale, the whole idea is that. In, in a finale of a show, you kind of figure out what the showrunner thinks the show is as opposed to what the fans think the show is. Right. And David Chase thought that that, that show was uh, – he thought it was a – whatever it was. He thought it was like an art project. <laughs> but <laughs> everyone else was watching it because it was a mob show. And I, I understand why why he did it, but I, I just – I can't fathom. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. that I, I can see why that – I mean he, that's his – you know, that's his style, I think. Yeah. What's yours? What's the worst uh, ending? You the think? one that I remember very vividly to this day is is How I Met Your Mother, the ending of How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> so I followed that's that's brutal. The five of them I followed like you know, and then I love them and they're funny, and then the ending just completely ruined everything. <laughs> I actually I actually agree. I, I changed my answer because I I I don't 
that ending is so interesting because it's so clearly that they they decided on how the show was going to end yeah. like six years before the show ended exactly and they were like we are not changing course no exactly. matter what and, and they, they, should they have. basically rejected yeah yeah they rejected what we have seen for six years yeah. and it's like we were talking about even they thought it was a novel even for uh even for uh sopranos at least the ending you know it took into consideration characters and everything but like the one that didn't completely didn't do it for me was how my mother like it just completely changed the whole character development of, of like four years of seasons <laughs> they literally ignored the last three yeah, seasons exactly. it's it's an abomination but i i feel bad truly because now i i i have never seen anything like this really where the ending to me has soured I look around, it seems to have soured people so much on that show, and that show was incredible. Like, for so much of its run was genuinely amazing. And, like, like Friends-level good, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, it was. And now, on the on the reruns, people people kind of, like, push them to the side, and I, I was I saw it the other day on, on just a cable channel, and I was like, I don't even think about this show anymore, and I think that is in part because of the way it ended. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I just don't want to watch it anymore just because of the sour taste that is left in my mouth like it's just you know yeah it's it's unfortunate but what, what are you gonna do yeah um so so we'll, we'll start to wrap up a little bit here but so so what was the best thing you've watched or read this year so far best thing i've watched or read let me just think about this one um 2019 2019 oh right i was still, still yeah. back in the day um okay so the best thing i've read uh, and you're gonna, you, it's 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 gonna, it's gonna be weird script if you ever read it. It's uh, Ari Aster's Midsummer. Oh, I'm not I'm not reading. It. It's I'm the most fucks up thing ever. <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm holding off on it because I saw it was posted the other day. I read and it. And I I just I loved I loved uh, Hereditary. Yeah. And I'm I'm just not I'm not digging in. I don't want to spoil it for myself. Yeah yeah yeah. I I I'm gonna I I, I can watch it and read it and watch it but it's so fucking insane okay like it really is ridiculously insane like oh um so the best thing that i have watched this year well um i don't know if i've watched something good this year uh nothing stands out at the moment i think it's been a, it's been a pretty rough year, I think, Just in terms started. of like early season debuts. I I, I watched Russian Doll. That, that's ah. probably the best thing I've watched so far. Yeah, that's nice. Or True Detective, but other than that, I don't think it. It's been a pretty slow year, I think, uh, on the movie and TV side yeah. of things. Uh, um, yeah. So so, what does success look like for you with this whole writing thing? Uh, success. It's a big question. Yeah, it's a big question. I would say <laughs> I've never thought about it actually. I just keep working. I've never thought about success. So. I don't know. So uh, it'd be nice if I could just have. Um, I I I don't have to think about uh, how much the bill's gonna come to when I go to a restaurant. I like <laughs> that, that. That's that's certainly a measure of success. I like that. I don't have to think about a bill yeah. when I'm at a restaurant. <laughs> okay. So that that's a good. That's one. a life that's success good thing, right? <laughs> I don't care about I mean, like, writing success. Life success. <laughs> go to a restaurant, and order whatever you want. You know. <laughs> um. And the final question, this is going to close it out for us. Uh, if you could put a message in a bottle to yourself five years from now, you're going to open it, something that you hope you don't lose sight of or just anything you don't want to forget, what would it say? Uh, um, don't forget to give thanks. Like, be thankful. Because uh, there are some days, uh, you know, already, this, I mean, I've, I've experienced this, I'm just, I'm just looking back at 2011, right? Like, imagine if I'm now I'm looking back at 2011, I would say, you know, just give thanks that, you know, don't, don't always be chasing the next thing. Enjoy the project you're on because each project is, is, is a part of you. Like, it is, it is uh, there's some people who can just crank it out, right, and just toss it in. But, like, yeah. the ones that really matter are the ones that, you know, you really enjoy and you sit and you really just just feel in the moment and you're writing this that this is who you are and I, i've only had that with like a couple of scripts uh, ever like maybe one script ever <laughs> which i'm still working on right now by the way one script ever um and i just and, and actually the nicole, the nicole script that i submitted also made me feel that way but you know, at that point in 2011, I was just like, okay, you know, this is shit. This is move on, move on. You know, what can I do next? 
people say, you know, put the script away in a, in a box and never look at it. Okay, you know, on to the next script. You know, you finish one, now move on to the next. Yeah, it's true, but, you know, make sure that every, when you're in the moment and you're writing it and you're enjoying it, this is all, you capture it one time, that's it. It's one time, because yeah. when the script is done, even if you edit it, right, it's still, it's still coming from, it's, it's still never going to get the fresh, it's like re-watching a movie, right? You know the twist, you know the yeah. ending. So you're never going to get the same experience of watching a movie for the first time again. And you're never going to get the same experience of writing a script for the first time again. So I would say enjoy the process in the moment and just give thanks that you're doing this for a living. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I definitely I definitely agree with that. I mean, you, you kind of have to fall in love with the, with the script that you're writing in order to be crazy enough to, <laughs> to go to work on it after work for weeks at a time yeah. when you could be doing lots of other easier things. So... Like you, you should value that time. I think that is a, a, a very good lesson, yeah. uh, message to yourself in five years. Um, so that's going to be all for us. Uh, thank you, Carl. Thank you so much. Thank you to Carl for coming on. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts. It'll come right to your phone every week. Leave a five-star review if you can. It makes it a lot easier for people to find the show. You can follow the show on Instagram at the chase pod that's at the chase pod thanks again to carl next week we'll be back with james zuba james is a syracuse basketball beat reporter he is a big j journo we will talk about how he somehow took up the most thankless job in all of sports media as a side gig how he flies around the country doing crazy things with syracuse basketball james made for an awesome interview and i look forward to talking to you guys again next week see you then bye